This is episode 149 of the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. Anywhere you look at, the population that always doesn't do well are our English language learners. You see it in the presentations. And I know that it's not because our children don't have the capability to learn. It's how we're educating them. I have always felt that if we educate them the way they're supposed to, through this biliteracy approach, we're going to get the best of these children because they're smart, they're intelligent. This is the way to a solid education where they're going to have an impact on our society when they finish their education. Good morning. My name is Lori Posner. I'm here with my colleague Aurelio Montemayor. And we're about to share with you an IDRA podcast, and we want to thank you for joining us. We're so fortunate this morning to be with Mrs. Rosario Lucero and Mrs. Rosalva Silva. Mrs. Silva is a dual language coordinator at the elementary level with PSJ, Far San Juan Alamo District. And Ms. Lucero is a retired educator, retired from Raymondville ISD, and they're also sisters. So welcome. Thank you. We're so pleased to uh, have you both here. They're here uh, because they were joining us for our symposium that took place yesterday here in San Antonio called New Research on Securing Educational Equity and Excellence for English Language Learners in Texas Secondary Schools. So we're so fortunate that they stopped by our offices this morning. And as longtime listeners know, IDRA has a long and um, extremely productive partnership with PSJ. So we're very fortunate that education leaders from the district joined us this morning. So thank you. I'd like to just ask you to start, what is your vision for education for children as, as an educator? My whole life has been in the area of bilingual education. Okay, this is my 36th year that I work with PSJA. I started off as a bilingual teacher, always you know, valuing bilingual education, but as uh, the years progressed and uh, we entered into a new era of, of dual language, which is uh, enrichment in both languages, my vision for, for education for all of our children, but I need to be honest with you, the ones that are in my heart are our so-called English language learners or limited English proficient students, that they get the best education possible that, that, that we can offer them. And in this case, it is through the dual language program because it is an enrichment program and it values both languages but the most important thing is that these children are made to feel that their language and their culture is valued while learning a second language and so for me I feel that if every child in this district and in the state and in the nation that has a so-called label of ELL that they actually have the opportunity to to become bilingual biliterate and bicultural. That would be my, my vision, my dream. Mm-hmm. And you, I know, have a, over a 30-year commitment yes. to your profession, um, but also you've done quite a bit of a training and education as far as your own development. Can you yes. tell us a little bit about that? Well, again, like I said, I, I began as a bilingual teacher, and then I, when I was a third-grade teacher, our district had just acquired a comprehensive Title VII comprehensive grant for dual language. And as I looked into it, I said, you know, this is even better than just because I was in a, a bilingual transitional program in the classroom at that time. I thought, you know, biliteracy is just awesome. So I applied for that position, and I got the position of, of a strategist, a dual language strategist 
And at that time, we had three schools that were piloting this biliteracy approach. And so through that, becoming a strategist, I began to learn about biliteracy, and I started to just acquire so much knowledge and thinking deep down in my stomach, I knew this was the right thing to do. It was better than uh, the regular bilingual transitional program because throughout a child's lifespan in the schools, he was going to maintain his native language. I started up as a strategist, and then again, I left being out in the classroom. So we were monitoring those three three campuses that were implementing, and like anything, you know, your your colleagues sometimes go on to something else. And so, my director back then, Nelia Rodriguez, uh, was going to retire, and I wanted to stay, just working with the teachers and developing the staff development that they needed to have, you know, for delivering in both languages through in an enrichment approach. It wasn't going to be remedial. It was an enrichment, and the dual language classroom looked very much like a GT classroom. So that's where I wanted to be, and I felt, ooh, if I apply for the director, am I going to lose that connection with the classroom? But then my husband told me, if you don't apply, somebody else is going to apply, and they're not going to believe or know what you know, and then you're going to end up struggling to try to convince the other person. So I applied for the directorship or coordinatorship because I think they changed the title to coordinator and so I became the coordinator and continued to develop the biliteracy in those um, three campuses. Looking forward towards the future, I knew that we were going to get to the middle school sooner or later and so I, I just planned the whole thing about taking the kids to the middle school and visiting the middle school that they were going to go into and I was blessed that that principal there, that middle school's principal, Maricela Cepeda, uh, she and I had a connection. We had been in the uh, organization for the Rio Grande Valley, Texas Association of Bilingual Educators. So we had that connection. And so I continued to plan and to grow myself as a person leading this uh, initiative of biliteracy in our district. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that serving and making sure that students who are so-called English language yes. learners is extremely close to your heart. Yes. Why Why is that? Because I've always felt that anywhere you look at, and, and even right now, you, you go to meetings and you go to sessions and you go to conferences, and the population that always doesn't do well are, are English language learners. And you see it in the presentations. You see the sub-pops. Our ELLs are not doing well. And sometimes I feel that they blame. They blame our children for the scores that they have and that they're, you know, they're not doing well. And I know that it's not because our children don't have the capability to learn. It's how we're educating them. We don't educate them the way they're supposed to. And as a result, we have the results that we have where children don't want to come to school. They turn to gangs. It's a situation where I think it's our fault, but but we don't say that. We say, you know what, I believe this is the way this ELL should be learning. And I don't care. This is the way he needs to learn. I have always felt that if we educate them the way they're supposed to, through this biliteracy approach, we're going to get the best of these children because they're smart, they're intelligent, and sometimes they're not looked at that way because sometimes when you hear the word Spanish, it's something negative, and the children feel it, you know, and they sense it. So if we educate them the way they're supposed to and they're proud of who they are, where they come from, and yes... I know we're in America, and yes, they're going to learn English, but it's the process of how they do it. They should not have to learn English at the cost of losing their identity and their language. And that's why I feel it's it's close to my heart, because a non-ELL, 
will participate in this value receive approach and he will do well regardless but our ELLs this is the way to a solid education where they're going to have an impact on our society when they finish their education and that's why it's it's close to my heart so what is it that you feel we're not doing well and what do you think we need to do differently well i think right now we're still having to work with mindsets uh, on people because you hear the word bilingual education and you still hear us you feel people have this like a bad taste in their mouth we look at biliteracy dual language is kind of a different oh it's 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 different when in reality bilingual education is bilingual education you know but i think we need to continue to work with people educators parents and letting them know that it's okay to be bilingual and it's okay to be biliterate and it's okay to know spanish and value it because you still feel out you still see a lot of people resenting the spanish language and um and i think that's sad because that's a lot of who we are but again a lot of it comes from the lack of knowledge you know if you really understood how we're doing this there's no way you would say no i don't want this for for my child because if you were to ask anyone you know anywhere and you was hey if i could just push a button and tell you you can be biliterate would you say yes of course there's no background knowledge as to how i'm going to do it of course so why not right so it's this constant uh, so there's the mindset aspect you feel that we need to understand you differently and at this, and from a, an asset perspective and also from a classroom practice yes. in the in the school what do you think we need to do differently as as educators i think we still need to continue to to educate our teachers and let them know that because uh, a lot of the times it, it's sad that our teachers do things because they're told to do them they're never really taught the rationale why are you doing this there's a reason behind it and it's not easy because sometimes the state you know the assessments all of this comes down to you know accountability and so you're not quite a language in one year you know there's research you know you have to you know the the basic interpersonal communication skill takes anywhere from 1 to 3 years the calc which is your cognitive academic language takes anywhere from 5 to 7 and so we're so pressured to push down that curriculum that the children don't really have the time to learn the language in their native language and then you know make the connection to the second language so we continue to push this english english you must know english when actually pushing more english doesn't give you more english you know it's it's actually giving them a strong foundation in their native language will get them to learn a lot faster the second language if that's what your goal is but i see a lot of our teachers still feeling very frustrated with yes miss silva i understand what you're saying but when are they going to know the english when am i going to get to know the english so in the back of their mind is i need to push the english i need to push the english and so in them feeling that pressure it keeps them from having a high quality education in the classroom so it's hard for the teacher right now especially a bilingual teacher or a dual language teacher because at the end of the day hey the state assessment the star assessment is right here you know and our children especially like in our district we have a high mobility rate they come from different places so the child comes into your classroom and i'm responsible for him so do i know what i need to do with him am i going to have that time is he going to test in the first language is he going to test in the second language you know what i mean it's like so the teachers are constantly feeling this pressure to produce when in reality they they need this time for the children to learn and for the process of them getting an education because it's never been about the language they're going to get 
English. It's about them getting a solid education so that they will succeed in the future. But that's what I see right now, that our teachers are being pressured to, you need to show me the scores. You need to show me the scores. So uh, I don't care. I, I need to know what's going to get you there. And, and so we miss the whole thing about educating the child and making the environment conducive to learning and making the child feel you're valued, you're here, you know, I need for you to learn because the teacher knows, well, I need to get him to, to pass. And I don't know about you because you're too far behind. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's those things that the teachers have to go through on a daily basis that makes it hard for them. One of the things that we focused on in the symposium was this question of resources. You know, how do we make sure at the state level that teachers do have enough time and do have the support and development that they need to, to be effective? I'm wondering, and Ms. Lucero, you might want to weigh it in as well, what would provide more resources and are they needed? In regards to elementary, because of the fact that, you know, we have our funding for our ELLs, uh, it does help us. If we're going to give equity, and, and I'm going to explain to you the way like our district does it right now, mm -hmm. we have 32,000 students in our district. In the elementary, about 9,000 of them are ELLs, and they are in the dual language program. But right now, the state assessment changed, right? So now we have STAR. And so we need to look at the assessment and the rigor of the assessment. But if we're going to do a good job in educating our ELLs, they need to be strong in their native language, so the assessments have to be in their native language. And so sometimes the, the state doesn't provide us with that support. They do, but we as a district have to come in and look at, if you have this in English for your monolingual English teacher, what do I have for my bilingual teacher, for my dual teacher? And if the resources are not there, we have to translate. This summer, I didn't have a summer because the assessment changed and the curriculum, the, the state adopted book that we had was awesome, but the rigor was not there, so we ended up having to continue to, to go forward and provide those resources for our teachers. Mm. Yeah, and I like, what I like to add is many times is when I was in the classroom, you know, the English was there, but the Spanish always came in later, you know? So here you're a bilingual teacher, you have everything you need, but for some reason, that Spanish book is, is behind. And here you are trying to do a good job, but by the time it comes in, you're behind. So what happens, you know? Why is that non-material both available to the teacher, you know, at the same time, you know? Spanish is always like it's put on the back burner, you know? Thank you. Well, this has been an excellent part one conversation. We're going to continue the conversation with Ms. Lucero and Mrs. Silva. I want to thank our listeners. Please uh, comment, share this podcast if it interests you. We welcome your comments online. And thank you for listening to this IDRA podcast. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.